everybody. Welcome, everyone, to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. This is Matt Page, the delightful duck, this week. Uh, back with Brian, the soul man, Solak. And today we have another special guest, legendary Seattle Times reporter Definitely. Steve Kelly. Yes, he's a legend. Yes, you are. <laughs> We're happy to have you here, Steve. Welcome to the show. How are you me. doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I love your show. I can't believe you got Jeff Smolian. That, that, that was a great get. I, we appreciate that. I was going to ask you about him later, what your thoughts were about him, but let's go ahead and ask you your thoughts on Jeff Smolian. <laughs> you want to start with that? Yes, please. Uh, I never thought we'd start with Jeff Smolian. <laughs> you know, I, I really liked him up until that moment, you know, yeah. when we found out that he didn't have two dimes to rub together and he was trying to run a major league team. And he, then he was trying to sell a major league team and sneak his way to Tampa which uh, in hindsight is about the dumbest thing you could have ever done because look at their attendance, you know, yeah. I mean, um, well, so, the stadium. Yeah. And he lied about all that. So I, you know, as a, as a guy to hang out with when he's like probably the best owner I've ever dealt with from a let's hang okay. out standpoint, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, they're just, uh, he was leveraged up to the bill of his Mariners cap and, uh, it wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, well, I want to <laughs> I want to veer back to where we were hoping to start, at least. Uh, start back <laughs> at the beginning of your career. And uh, what brought you over to the Pacific Northwest from Delaware, right? It was Delaware you were from? Yeah, I was from Wilmington. Okay. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a long, convoluted story. Um, but we got 50 minutes, right? So we're ah, good. We <laughs> oh, we're curious. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. Well, I was born in a log cabin. That's not true. Um, <laughs> I went to the University of Delaware, um, got my first newspaper job at uh, the York Dispatch, a horrible, horrible paper in York, Pennsylvania. Um, I was there for a year. I didn't learn anything. I I didn't have any clips that I could send out. I was if if I had stayed there, <clears throat> excuse me, if I had stayed there, I'd still be there. Oh. I mean, there was there was no way in, no way out. Yeah. And uh, so after a year. I just decided I got to get out of here. And I also felt like I I needed to kick myself in the butt and get me going, get my career really going. So um, so I went back to Wilmington, Delaware, and I was working as a repairman for uh, Sears, which, you know, all, all good journalists, are, should they should do that for a while. <laughs> and I, uh, I repaired washers and dryers and okay. put up this thing called TV antennas. Um, and just a bunch of crazy stuff like that all the all the while kind of looking at where am I going to go and um I read a poem about Lake Chelan that was written by William Stafford and I thought it was Lake Chelan um I had no idea where it was or what it was but I real I love that poem and uh, William Stafford was a, a professor at Lewis and Clark College down in uh, Portland and I just decided to pack up my MG and head for Chelan. I sent, before I left, I sent letters to every newspaper in Washington. And I was so dumb and naive. I got like stacks of rejection letters or, you know, we'll put your name in our, in our, you know, right at the top of our list. There was, there was no list. <laughs> so I drove, I drove out here and you know, I was still cocky enough to think that when I went over the Idaho line into Washington, mm -hmm. um, all the sports editors would be gathered there flagging me down and saying, hey, so that didn't happen. I went to Chelan, um, was driving, <clears throat> excuse me, was driving a forklift uh, at an apple shed. Again, another perfect move for being a journalist. Uh, <laughs> and on my days off, I would drive to the Wenatchee World. Uh, I set up an interview with um, the Longview Daily News, and the guy stiffed me. I drove from Chelan to Longview, oh. got there, and, uh, well, you're not on his calendar. So I've got oh. Ted Nat. I'll never forget the name. And um, so on my way back to Chelan, I, I went through Seattle, and I decided I was going to stop 
this can't be done today. And this is how lucky I was. But I, I stopped at the Seattle Times, walked up the stairs to the managing editor's office, knocked on the door. Come on in. Who are you? I'm a forklift driver in Cheyenne. I'm going to be a sports writer. And so we talked for like an hour. Um, he was His name was Jim King, just a great, great human being. And anybody who worked for him would say the same thing. And he said, look, I can't get, you can't work for the Seattle Times. You don't have any experience, but I guarantee you, this was right around Thanksgiving. He said, by Thanksgiving, I'll, you'll have a job. So um, I went back to Cheyenne, hopped on the forklift and got a call from the Centralia Daily Chronicle. And for the next year and a half, that's where I went. And on my day, again, when I, on my days off, I would go to Portland for the Trailblazers, came up here for the Sonics. The Mariners weren't here yet. Um, and I just kind of watched. And actually, I was a pain in the neck to the sports writers. But how do you do that? Or, you know, just kind of like oh. a like a little kid brother holding on to the older brother's leg. And, you know, take me with you. Take me with you. <laughs> it was great to me. Everybody was so good to me. And uh I went from Centralia to Olympia, from Olympia to Portland, and that's kind of where I got my big break. I got to cover the Trailblazers there for three years, right after their championship. So okay. they're going downhill, um, which is great for a journalist because there was all kinds of news breaking. Uh, Maurice Lucas wanted to be traded. Lionel Hollins wanted to be traded. Bill Walton couldn't play because of his leg and they were accusing him of being a malingerer. I mean, the guy has since had his ankles fused, his back fused. Oh. I mean, oh, he's, wow. he's, and uh, he's almost, he died, almost died on the table during one of his back surgeries. And he was a malingerer. Nobody wanted to play basketball better than Bill Walton mm -hmm. or have more passionately than Bill Walton. And he never, you know, he, uh, those last couple, those couple, like, like 78, 79, 79, 80, he couldn't play basketball and it was, it was torturing him. Um, but I, I got to do that. Um, David Halberstam noted Pulitzer prize winning journalist decided he was going to do a book on the collapse of the, of the trailblazers. And so he became like my grad school. Um, I followed another thing. I, I followed him all around million questions. He invited me into all of his interviews and we became friends for the rest of his life. And, he would call me, he had the voice of God, and he would call me every once in a while and call me Kelso. He'd say, Kelso, I read your column today. You weren't you weren't very good today. <laughs> like, oh, oh I? <laughs> David Halberstam's telling me that. But um oh. he had all kinds of great advice. And you know, I came up here and covered the Sonics for a year. And David was for the next 31 years, David was always in my ear. Uh, either literally or, well, not literally, but either in person or just me thinking about it. So that's the story. <laughs> I got to ask, do you have a favorite Bill Walton story then to share? Um, oh, I, I have a thousand of them. Most of them, <laughs> most of them I don't want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> rather not, in public, not okay. <laughs> When, you, you know how he goes on and on and on about the most ridiculous stuff. Mm -hmm. uh -oh, my my picture's going crazy. A little crazy, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hold on, let me, let me bring my technician here real quick. Okay. okay. I don't think there's anything we can do. Oh, there it goes. There, okay. So, right. um, well, you know... <laughs> You know how Bill just gets incredibly verbose and, and you know, in, on his own cloud a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And when I retired, he he uh, left me a message that went on and on and on about thanks for your dedication. Thanks for your, you know, I thought I was talking to Gandhi and he got mixed <laughs> up. You know, he got the wrong number. Okay. And, uh, he ended by saying, you will remain my potted plant. Now you tell me what that means. I, I, <laughs> I have no uh, idea. idea. Yeah, but uh, we, many we had a lot of great times. And um, the first time I met him, um, I, I met him down in Newport Beach when he wasn't playing and when he was sort of public enemy number one in Portland. And um, he ordered about seventy-five dollars worth of food. 
And, you know, even then he was making pretty good money and it just kept coming and coming. I'm trying to interview him and he's got a sandwich in his mouth and soup, you know, smooting some soup in there. <laughs> um, and that was kind of part of our, part of our relationship is, okay, uh, you going to take me out to lunch? Bill Walton, you know, he's making whatever he's making. And, and yeah. I'm making like, <laughs> I'm like making like 20 cents an hour. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I dutifully, I dutifully did whatever he asked. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. Um, moving on, I know you covered all sports with Yellow Times, but I'm gonna. 1993, you came out with a Mariners article with the infamous Ducky Ponds. I have to ask about Ducky Ponds. Will you tell our listeners the story behind Ducky Ponds? I mean, my father and myself. That was the articles we loved to read from you when when he was, you know, part of your, your weekly article, whenever you had him on. I mean, please share. I mean, tell Matt. Matt's the young one of our team here. Oh, tell, 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 well, tell us about Ducky Ponds. I mean, how is he doing? <laughs> well, uh, he died. My uh, my managing editor killed him. Oh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go from I'll go. I'll start from the from the last day. Okay. He, called, he called me into his office and he said, you know, we don't, we don't like, uh, I had a, a guy named Jim Rat for basketball yeah. and Ducky Ponds for baseball. That's right. Um, and he said, you know, we don't like using fictitious characters in the paper. And I said to him, perfectly understandable. But the next time that talking cat, you know, we ran Garfield. So, yeah. but the next time that talking cat comes to the office, can I talk to him? I'd love to talk to him. <laughs> I mean, just trying to point out to him how stupid it was. You yeah. know, the reader, the reader doesn't understand that. They think that these guys are real guys. And I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's that was the end of both of them. But um, I, I, I grew up in Wilmington. There was a columnist named Al Cartwright who uh, he had a character. He, he did reviews of every Delaware football game. University of Delaware football game, and he had, a, and their colors were blue and gold. And this guy was named Blue Win Gold, and he had seen every game that Delaware had ever played, and so he was the Monday kind of morning Monday morning quarterback okay. uh, for for Al Cartwright. And I I always love those those columns. So I've been thinking for a long time. It's a it's for me these guys, Ducky Ponds, uh, Jim Rat, are a great way to say what you feel. A different way mm -hmm. and in a way i mean to me they were both of those guys were the alter ego of seattle sports fans um a lot of people you know could think of themselves as as jim rat a lot of guys could think of themselves as ducky ponds and that's why i think people related to those guys i love doing those columns the guys on the desk at our paper loved reading them the only guy that didn't like it was the managing editor because it confused him a little bit so anyway, it, uh, it, so I can say all this now because I'm retired, but, uh, <laughs> but I loved it. And uh, I also, I could really get under somebody's skin like Tom Chambers um, after I did a ducky or after I did a Jim Rat column came up to me and said, you know, just lit into me. And I said, hey, it wasn't me. It was Jim. You can't get mad at me. And I just <laughs> really... That really set him off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? I don't blame him. <laughs> I'd have been mad too. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Seriously. <laughs> I told my dad and mom came over last night for dinner and I told him we were talking with you tonight. And he says, make sure you ask Steve Kelly about Ducky Ponds. He's our favorite character. <laughs> well, every, every time I see Harold Reynolds, that's the Ducky, Ducky. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's great. Um, so over the course of your uh, your career, do you ever have do you have a favorite interview? Like your your number one that always sticks out in your mind is your your favorite one. Okay, I have to have to think about this for. There, there, <laughs> there were, I mean, there's different kinds of favorite. True. Um, yeah. There's guys like Maurice Lucas, who it was like a half hour of hand to hand combat, and. Um, but it was great. Yeah. In the end, it was really good. And he would say things to me. I mean, he had 
hands like uh, catcher's mitts. Mm. And he he would say, if you don't get off my case, I'm going to give you one of these. And I, I, I was thinking, well, if I live, I'm going to be a very wealthy man. But he was great. <laughs> and, and it was fun jousting with him. Um, a lot of coaches. I mean, George Carl, another mm. guy, you know, it was like a, a fencing match. But, um, you know, he loved basketball. I love basketball. And I love talking basketball with him. And I loved, I sort of, I hate to say this, but I liked getting under his skin, which wasn't hard. Um, he, he's a very sensitive guy. And I love him to this day. But um, he'd get a little tired of my act, I think. Mm. Um, Mike Holmgren, just a great, great human being. Lou Pinella, you know, you had to trend carefully, kind of be very cautious. But um, um, I think for me, the most important thing was being there. If I okay. criticized some guy, uh, I would be in the locker room the next day and I would, you know, look for him. I'm not going to go up to him and say, do you like me? Do you still <laughs> like me? But if he wants to, you know, if uh, the player wants to light into me, I'm I'm there. And I think that that really helped me in the long run to um, get good interviews. Um, the guys I like, besides the guys that I could kind of joust with, they're just guys who were dead honest with you. Um, Steve Largent was one. And Steve Largent would call me, well, here, two, two stories. Dave Craig, when he first started, he would call me up after an interview and at home and say, did, did I give you enough? Do you want, you know, do you need something else? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like Russell Wilson, if he said hello to you, it was a big, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Largen was a guy who would call me say on a Monday after I wrote my column on the Sunday game and tell me what I, he thinks I did wrong or my opinion was wrong. And uh, he, he wasn't like yelling at me. He was educating me. Mm. And I appreciated that. Um, um, and you know, there were also guys like Kurt Warner who, um, was really, was really rough on me. Mm. And, um, you know, he, he's a great running back. I'm just a sports writer. So, you know, he'll, uh, he'll win that argument every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I had some guys say, you know, how many home runs did you ever hit? Uh, how many 20 point games did you ever have? Um, I did have one in eighth grade, by the way, but <laughs> that, that, that didn't seem to uh, influence them at all. Um, but a, a lot of coaches, uh, I didn't get to know Pete that well because Pete kind of keeps you at arm's length. But, you know, Don James, um, uh, Lorenzo Romar, um, you know, there's a, a lot of guys like Lorenzo and George Carl and Mike Holmgren who wanted you um, Jack Ramsey with the Trailblazers. Okay. Number one educator of sports writers. And he would bring me in and diagram plays and say, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I have my fist in the air, this is what, this is what we're going to run. So the next time you tell me they ran, they ran a stupid play, I called the right play. They're stupid, not me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but as much as I like those guys, I just like the guys that I like talking to, um, you know, Mike Cameron, just a oh, great yeah. guy. Okay. Um, Harold Reynolds, great guy. Um, Jay Buhner, believe it or not, you know, a tough guy, a sweetheart, Dan Wilson, yeah. that, that 95 team was loaded with good, with good guys. Yeah. And I think that there's a correlation there. Yeah. Um, good you know, team. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, did you have, um, so you, we asked the favorite interview. Do you ever have one specific interview that really went way off the rails and just disastrous? <laughs> uh, uh, most of them, I think. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. Uh, well, there were guys that I didn't know, like spring training. A lot of, a lot of guys I don't know, and I'm thinking, he's going to be a good interview. And um, John Olerud, when they got John Olerud, I, I didn't know much about him. Certainly, I didn't know much about um, the way he dealt with the media. But, you know, he when he played in New York, 
he lived in Manhattan. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. You know, he wanted to get to know the city. Mm-hmm. So I just sat down with him one day in, in uh, spring training and thought, this is going to be really interesting. He was the m- most boring human being I've ever talked to <laughs> and apologized for that. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is me, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm trying my best. But this is all you're going to get. Um, so it, it, for me, I don't remember one where, um, well, I I remember one. Yeah, I, I, say, it looks like you remember one. Okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. A <laughs> we should have done this ahead of time. I, I could have a notebook full. <laughs> I have my notebook, but I don't have any, uh, I don't have as much in as I could. Uh, Phil Bradley, for the, for the okay. see, I go way back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm mentioning names that people are like, Phil Bradley. Is it, you know? But anyway, for first couple of years, he was with the Mariners. He was a 300 hitter. Very good fielder, just a real a great athlete. And then all of a sudden something happened. And um it became very difficult for me to talk to him. But um so we did an interview and he just intentionally gave me one-word answers. <laughs> and so finally I said something to him like, Well, what happened in the seventh inning when the line drive down the left field line and you just sort of ho-hummed after the ball? Oh, it's a oh, on and on and on. And so the next day, it's a Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, really, at that point. Um, and he says, I want to talk to you after the game. And it's sort of like the school bully saying, I'll meet you behind the church after school. You know? <laughs> and so the whole the whole game, I'm with it. You know, I'm waiting for the game to end so I can, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So he grabs me and he says, let's go in there. So he went in the training room and he locked the door. He pulled, the, he pulled the blinds down. Oh. And he's got a bat in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and he's kind of smacking the bat. And he's, you know, he's really livid about this ho-hum thing. And um, I'd written a column that, that appeared that morning after we had had the kind of blow out on Saturday. And um I don't know. We he just lit into me and lit into me. And at the end he finally said, uh, well just write all that stuff. Just go ahead and write whatever you want. And I said to him, that was kind of the plan. <laughs> you know, but I appreciate your your uh good graces on that. He opens the door and this is the God's honest truth. Like four mariners tumbled into the into the training room they were like leaning on the door listening to the whole thing and uh i think they were you know i think they would have given me a standing ovation if phil hadn't been there but it was interesting (laughs) but yeah that's some of these things like with phil like with maurice can go on for like a year yeah you know and um a couple times when when Lucas told me he didn't want to talk to me, I go, thank the Lord. I don't have to deal with him for a while, <laughs> but you know what? And again, he was, he, we became friends after he retired. And when he was an assistant coach, we came up here and play and we were pretty close then. And then uh, he was assistant coach for Nate McMillan down in Portland. Um, we became really good friends. And I was going to say something else about that, but I can't remember. I'm 74. You know what I mean? I don't, things don't, don't go <laughs> no, to me no. as quickly. <laughs> um, you, you wrote a column. I don't remember exactly when, but you stated that John Wentworth. Me neither. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you stated that uh, former Yankees reliever John Wetland saved baseball in Seattle. Do you truly believe that? Well, yeah. I mean, he served up the pitch that saved baseball in Seattle. Um <laughs> So yeah, I guess I guess I do believe that. Um, and again, it's what the Kraken are doing right now yeah. reminds me of the the nervous days when we thought the Mariners were going to leave and go to Tampa. The nervous days before um, uh, Ken Baring was going to move the team to L.A. At the Seahawks, and Paul Allen rescued them with that crazy election we had we've had to have two elections to keep one to keep our baseball team one to keep our football team and then the agony over the sonics leaving and i remember during the give and take in the city council nick lakata one of the city councilmen said sports don't provide any cultural benefit to the city oh 
Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Ooh. And um, couldn't be more wrong. If he was here right now, and if he was here during the Seahawks' two Super Bowl runs, he was here in '95. That didn't seem to have any effect on him. Um, yeah. But you can't tell me that right now, people that weren't hockey fans two weeks ago are talking about it now. And they're into it and they're excited about it. And um, you know, even after I, I went to game six, I, I sold a kidney and was able to buy a ticket. And um, so that, that worked work out, out really well. I was going to say, how'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still a little sore, but I, okay. I got to see the game. But, you know, this it was a horrible game. Yeah. And and they, I thought the Kraken kind of got bullied that game, but it was still people were so excited about the chance to be there, the chance that there's going to be a game seven on TV. Um, I remember being in Portland when uh, Damian Lillard hit the three that sent Oklahoma City home and sent the Blazers to the next round. And I was downtown after the game, and it's just a party, mm-hmm. and you know. The bartenders are making a lot of money. The restaurants are making a lot of money. And people are talking and people are getting unified. And you can't tell me that's not a cultural advantage. Mm-hmm. Excellent Absolutely. Um, one, one last question about your, before you retired, 2008, 2009, every team in the state of Washington pretty much sucked. How was it as a, <laughs> how was it as a sports writer for you? I mean, seriously, how did how, how was it writing? I mean, it had been tough. Um, it was very easy. I just changed some of the names and uh, <laughs> you know, the final score maybe or something like that. Um, it it was awful. Yeah. Um, and there've been you know when the Huskies not that long ago, the last year Tyrone Willingham, when they didn't win a game, and you run out of things to say. Yeah, they were bad last week. They were worse this week. And I, and Tyrone was no help at all to us. Um, um, and really, he was just interested in kind of promoting his brand. And um, I think that was part of his problem here. I don't think he ever related to the players. And he had no sympathy for the, the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you know, that season was horrible for everybody. But that, what the seasons you're talking about, yeah, it's like um, – you know, for me, it's like, hey, is anybody out there? Are you still reading this stuff? If you are, why? You know, I, I'm running yeah. out of stuff to say. <laughs> um, but uh, we all laughed about it, you know, sitting with RTO at the games. And, uh, you know, I would we'd say to one another, why don't you just write this one in and give it to our paper, too? You know, <laughs> vice versa. Just, you know, just, just save some energy. I'll take this game. You take the next one. It'll be the yeah, same. Yeah, anyway. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on. We did want to, want, I want to ask your thoughts on the Kraken. Um, Brian and I are fairly new to the, to, to, to hockey. I mean, I personally, uh, you know, I go to the silver tips games all the time in Liverpool and Everett. And, uh, and I'm, I'm still learning some things uh, here in the second year of the Kraken, but it's been a lot of fun. Definitely. Um, what do you think about the process for the team? And uh, I know they've kind of stumbled out of the gate. We talked to um, Brian. I'm I'm having one of those moments again. Jeff Baker. Jeff Baker. Uh, Why am I forgetting Jeff? Jeff is a wonderful person. Uh, Jeff, talk to Jeff about it. Who are we talking about? Jeff Baker. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's okay, kidding. good. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he does a great job. Really yeah, does. he does. He does an excellent job. And we talked to him a, a while back about. Uh, his thoughts regarding the kind of stutter out of the gate in terms of the team connecting with the city. Part of that was the media deal, maybe some promotional things and the and and all that. I mean, I, I, and the prices for the games the first season were pretty pretty outlandish. The, that, to me, that's the killer. Yeah, um, you're you're trying to you're trying to embrace a city, and in saying, well, you know, if you come to one game, you'll be lucky, and yeah. it just seemed kind of. That part of the the marketing of the Kraken um, was a little elitist, I thought. Mm-hmm. And I think that turned a lot of people off, especially in this town. And let's face it, I think every town is a front runner town. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Seattle might be a little more than, than most. So you come out with $250 tickets to see the Kraken in San Jose in, in April. You know, I mean, yeah, that's pretty low. That's, that's low entertainment right there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but in hindsight, they did it exactly the right way, um, except for the ticket price. They could have sold it a little more like, okay, we're going to, it's going to be a rough year. Um, we got all these guys who um, have never played together. We don't have any cohesion getting started. Um, and we're just not going to be very good. They put so much pressure on Grubauer yeah. to, to be the magic man. And it, I'm pretty sure it, uh, it wore on him. But in hindsight, if you're building a franchise, first of all, cut the ticket. Well, you can't <laughs> cut the ticket prices because you sold all the tickets before you ever played a game, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, so from that standpoint, they're very smart, but they kind of <laughs> they kind of priced the average fan out of the out of the arena. Um, so it took something like this in the second year. But you know, they have that that uh, expression, "fear the deep." I think that's one of their their expressions. Well, that's exactly should be their motto now because they may not have any superstars, but they're deep. They have four good lines. They have great defense. And now that, you know, Grubauer is standing on his head every night and doing a great job. Um, And so if I think if they had marketed it, like we're going to take our lumps this year, but we're going to, we're going to grow. We have a lot of good players. We don't have any great players yet. Maybe this year, maybe Matty Beneers is going to become that. Um, but they sure have a lot of good players. And I think that showed in the Avalanche series, they're way deeper than the Avalanche and the Avalanche couldn't, couldn't survive the injuries that it had. The Kraken lose their best scorer, their 40 game, their 40 goal scorer. And they didn't miss a beat. It's next man up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's so easy to say. It is. Next man, and you can't play. I don't care. I don't care if you're up or not. Yeah. And I, we we finally saw that I think with the Seahawks a couple of years ago. The next man up wasn't Cam Chancellor. He, he, you know, <laughs> uh, he wasn't Doug Baldwin, and uh, it was a big drop. And it's it's taken some time to rebuild. But I I think uh, from a personnel standpoint, they they're almost a role model for how to build a franchise. Golden Knights weren't bad either. They got to the, the finals the first year. But um, I think for sustainability and for a, a culture of, for a team, uh, this was the right move to do what they've done. I, I grew up, or I, you know, I grew up in Wilmington and, and Philadelphia, and I was a Flyers fan. And uh, we didn't like Dave Haxtell when he was the Flyers coach. And we were happy to see him go when the when the Kraken announced that he was going to be the coach. I was like, oh no, I've I've already lived through this nightmare. <laughs> um, and it turns out he was he was the right guy. Um, and I think he's handled the young guys well. I mean, I kind of got a little frustrated last year. You know, just throw Maddie in. You know, every shift you can give give him experience. And I, th- I thought he kind of played it a little tight to the vest with uh with veneers but he's he's pushed all the right buttons and when you have that many kind of equally talented guys and you can keep them all happy and you can watch them grow i think they're i I don't know but i think you have to ask jeff this but i think their player development core has been really good and uh um i wrote his name down just so i wouldn't forget and now I can't find it. Oh, uh, Kartaya mm-hmm. comes up and scores in his first game. He's the most valuable player yeah. in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's going to be a guy. Mm-hmm. But but and now they have all these really solid veterans around these guys to kind of mentor them. It's, it's a super success story. Jeff's going to have to write another book this year. <laughs> and, yeah, and yes. I guarantee you it'll be a better seller than the first one because they're winning now. Oh, <laughs> um, Not to say that it, this one wasn't. Oh, it's, good. It's, it's a good book. Yeah, a very good book. <laughs> can you, can, can we classify Seattle as a hockey town now or is it too early? Oh no. It's or were we early. always one right now? It's yeah. a, it's a, Hey, we're in the playoffs town. Okay, and I think it, you know, they they have this ultimate professional ultimate frisbee. Yeah, it's a thing. I think. Yeah, it is. um, um, 
you know, if they go undefeated, there'll probably be 12,000 people at Memorial Stadium. Um, <laughs> this is a this is a give me a winter town right now. And especially give me a winter this time of year. Yeah. Um, the thing about going to the game on uh, Friday night, game six, it was a beautiful day. Tons of people flocking to Climate Pledge. It reminded me so much of game five on a Saturday afternoon uh, against the Nuggets. Similar ending, too, except that game ended this Sonic season. Yeah. Um, um, before game seven against Utah, when the Son that one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. And it was the same thing. Nice day. People were there so much. There's just this huge sense of anticipation. And um, it, it was such a familiar feeling for me just um, walking around the, the Seattle Center before the game. It's like, this is what it's supposed to be like in the spring. You know, we got a pro team in the playoffs. Everybody's talking about them. Everybody all of a sudden is an expert. Um even though they don't know what icing is, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they don't care, you know, the, all they, you know, all, and they do care and they, they do know that I think for the most part, but when the whistle blows and the action stops, something happened, you know, puck didn't go in the net. So don't worry about it. They're going to drop <laughs> the puck somewhere. Uh, and that's the great thing about hockey. The goal, if, if the ball, if the puck goes in the net, that's a point. Yep. So it, it's pretty, pretty straightforward, yeah. you know, offside and icing and all that. You 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 get the hang of it pretty soon. Yeah, it's not cricket. Yeah, no, I still I... don't understand. I'd love to. I wish I could go to a game with uh, some of my Australian or Indian friends and have them teach me the game. I've I've tried. I I will never be able to decipher cricket. I I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, if you're in England and you got the sports sports report on TV yeah. and they're they're telling you what happened at a cricket game. They, they could have been speaking any language. And it be <laughs> but but I, I want to learn. I really do want to learn. Um, you, you brought up Game 7 of the 96 Sonics just a moment ago. So that, that brings up, you wrote one of your last articles, it might have been your last article, but the top 30 moments of your career. And number one, you talked about Usain Bolt. Why did you pick Bolt for your number one moment of all time? Well, um, yeah, a couple, a couple of my friends said, you picked two track and field moments. You Come did. <laughs> but for me, it was, um, I mean, these were all like personal feelings. Okay. And Usain Bolt, I was right at the finish line in, in Beijing, about 10 rows up in the stands. And he's just smoking the field in the 100 meter dash. And he's celebrating about five meters from the finish line. And first, my first thought was, I mean, just to watch him run is thrilling. Mm -hmm. He's way bigger, lankier than most sprinters. And he's just, it's an incredible thing to watch. It's breathtaking. But then he, he's showboating across the, you know, he's, 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 uh, he's Dylan Brooks going across the finish line. And like, you just blew it. You did, you had the world record and you blew it. And then you look up on the scoreboard and he didn't blow it. He got it. And he showboated his way through the end of that race. Oh, just it's so that really captured me. And the other one was uh, Michael Johnson breaking the world record in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. And again, with his, it was like coming around the turn in the 200 meters and just finding some gear that no human being had ever found before. Yeah. And, and that was another one of these just jaw dropping moments. But um, yeah, I understand other people. If you're a Seattle fan, um, you want to hear every great moment that they that the fans have experienced. But this was more about things that uh, I experienced. Fair enough. But yeah, definitely. Um, I want to. I, I can't let you go. Oh, you know, we're running. We got about ten minutes left or so. I, I can't let you go without asking about the Seahawks and what your thoughts are regarding our latest draft that we just had recently. Well, I, my, um, my feelings are just, you know, my feelings are, I don't really know these guys. I mean, it, it all, I'm, all I'm judging on is a, the same numbers that everybody else has. I mean, there's, there's, it's not really, it's not really that um, mysterious. <laughs> I, at least I don't think so. But um, Witherspoon, the cornerback, uh, 
everybody universally thinks that was a great pick. Mm-hmm. And it was what it was the fifth pick in the draft. It better be good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And but now with with uh with Woolen on the other side, that could be the, the they have the makings for another Legion of Boom. I yeah, think. Definitely. And, and that's fantastic. Um the wide receiver from Ohio State, they needed another receiver. And now that's a that's a pretty good, pretty good lineup there. I, I still think Tyler Lockett's one of the most underrated uh receivers in football. And I don't know why. Um, he catches everything. I mean, he catches everything. He does. And um, you know, I think the year that he got hurt really killed that team. But, you know, thinking about Witherspoon, two years ago, watching the, the Seahawks, it was just so, I mean, it became like Groundhog Day, where every week all you could see are the other team's receivers running wild in the middle of the field. It's like, didn't matter what uniform was. It didn't yep. It didn't matter whether he was the third slot or 10-time pro bowler. They were wide open. And um, it's not going to happen nearly as much now. And, um yeah, I think there's a you know a lot. There's first of all, there's a lot of Seahawks fans in this state, and um, um, they're ready to fast forward to September now. I think. <laughs> but but I mean, just in, in general, um, they've recovered pretty well from a couple of really bad drafts, mm-hmm. and they all have bad drafts. You know, Howie Roseman is now the the hero of Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and he's put together two great teams and he made every right move each of the last two drafts. Five years ago, they wanted to run the guy out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually they did. Um, when uh, Chip Kelly took over, but he's, you know, he's, uh, he's a hero. They're, they're thinking about, you know, that at, at top of city hall, William Penn, they have William Penn there. Yeah, William Penn. I think they're going to put Howie Roseman up there instead. <laughs> that's that's city council's talking that over right now. Oh, okay. And I don't think many people in Philadelphia would would be upset about that. No, not really. Until they start losing, and yeah. then it's going to be like, "Where's William Penn?" <laughs> then a mob will rush city hall and tear down the statue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, do you think the Seahawks should have drafted a quarterback this year, or were we going to be okay? Well, I, I, I mean, that's a that's a that's part of the problem with being a GM. Yeah, um, yeah, you could have. Geno Smith had an incredible year. I mean, he his did. numbers are through the roof, and because it was Geno Smith, it was like, holy cow, where did this guy come from? How could so many people have been wrong about him? Yeah, but but this was one year. Yeah, and it's sort of like, um, you know, they always talk about the sophomore jinx in baseball, um, which I think Julio Rodriguez is going through a little of that right now. But um, I think also I think it'll be fine. But that's what yeah. you have to wonder if Gino has that kind of year in him again, and I kind of think he has to have that kind of year again. Getting the getting another wide receiver, another weapon for him helps. Um, another okay. running back or two, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all of that uh, with a, with another year under the excuse me offensive lines belt, I think that's going to be a big plus. So yeah, um, again, there's a lot of people saying let's let's uh, kick it off, <laughs> let's get going. <laughs> right on, right on. You know, I've seen you guys um, kind of comment a lot on the Sea Dragons, oh. and I I couldn't name one player on that team. I just haven't watched them, you know, and okay. that's 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 on me. That's my bad. But it's just first of all, I'm a basketball guy, and this is basketball season. True. And if there's a if there's an XFL game on TV or uh, ACC game or an NBA game, I'm going to go ACC or NBA. And I just haven't been able to get into it. I've been, you know, really impressed with the crowd numbers. I mean, considering like opening night, what was it, like 22 degrees? Yeah, yeah it was really cold. Was really cold yeah. out there. I mean, that talks, that says a lot about the hunger of uh, the city for football. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I like Randy Mueller. You know, he sort of put this team together. They had a good coaching staff. I just, 
Okay, I feel really bad about it now. <laughs> next year, I'm going to be a season ticket holder next year. All right, and I bet that's tickets good. Three hundred dollars a piece, either. Well, we'll hold, we'll hold you to it. Uh, yeah, we had Jordan Vizi, the uh, wide receiver number eighty-eight, uh, on the show actually uh, earlier this weekend okay. before the game. Unfortunately, uh, that they they weren't able to to win. Uh, but he was a delight to chat with, and uh, yeah, we had we had Randy on the show, Randy Miller on the show. We love to talk, chat talking with him. Um, they, yeah, they they really put together uh, an interesting group of guys, really talented, great coaching staff. It was fun to watch. It really was. Yeah, and, and I think it's going it's, to be better next year. Yeah. And, oh yeah. I mean, I'm joking about them a little bit, but it's great for the players. It is. It's, it's another chance for them to show what they can do. Um, I guarantee you the NFL people watched all those games. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And, um, you know, circled about 25 or 30 names, um, that they'd be interested in. So yeah, it's, um, there's, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with it. I just didn't, didn't, uh, I don't have the bandwidth, I guess. Yeah. To use a phrase I hate. Um, but they've they've uh, they've they've been focusing on that and the promote. You watch the promotional video, and the, whenever the game starts, they have their you know the the fifteen to thirty second clip of you know everyone's really ready and lacing up the boots and all that kind of stuff. And they talk about you know it's another it's your chance, it's another chance for these players, and and they really played that up. And the coaching staff has all as you know like Rand, like we heard we heard stories about Randy going in the uh, the, the the locker room and giving the giving the speech that the players need to hear it you know from yeah. Jordan. Uh, and I never heard of a GM doing that ever before. Uh, so, uh, also on the other hand, it's it's the, the the league is ending here. What in another two weeks or something like that? Yeah. So it's ending right around the time that the draft is done with the NFL, and they're signing undrafted guys. So they're probably going to add a bunch of XFL players to that yeah. those camp invites as well. So it's it's right. it's wonderful to see, and it's great to see Seattle embracing them. Well, you know, I go to Aqua Sox games occasionally. Oh, you have to hit us up. We we love we we're season ticket holders, and we ride for their program too. Yeah. What's your phone number? I'll give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I I go to those games and I I like them, and it's fun to 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 see Julio Rodriguez there, and then mm-hmm. two years later he's winning the Rookie of the Year. Yep. And there's a, there's a couple guys, uh, the catcher, um, for the Aqua Sox now, Harry Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm anxious to see him. Uh, there's a couple of pitchers who uh, names I've written down somewhere, but I, you know, when I, I, I like going to a game and having an idea of who I want to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, two, three, four years later saying, I remember that guy, you know, he, you know, I got to see him before he was who he is now. Keep an eye on Jonathan class. A. he plays center field and he's won two consecutive players of the week uh, for the Northwest league. Uh, he's a speed de- speed devil on the base path. He's on pace for like 140 steals. It's insane. Really? Wow. Yeah. He might be one of the guys I've written down. Um, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. I usually wait till it's about 70 degrees before I go. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, still going to be 40 at night. Yeah, we've been freezing. <laughs> we've been freezing these last two home stands. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. What what have the crowds been like? Not as pretty big. small yeah, for April 2000 for opening night, which was about half what, what they fill there. So it, we're still getting used to it being a full season team now, yeah. I think. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that they're, they're playing games in April. So it also, yeah, the Marine layer comes in after the sun goes down, it gets cold, yeah. <laughs> real cold. <laughs> well, they're going to build a, they'll build a dome stadium. So that, that'll, <laughs> yeah, that sounds talking good. about a stadium, aren't they? They are, yes. Yeah. There's a couple spots in Everett, so hopefully it happens. And then tomorrow night starter for the Mariners, Bryce Miller, they just called up. We got to interview him last year with the Aqua well, Sox. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that you had talked to him. He's 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 pitching tomorrow night? He's pitching tomorrow uh, for night. For the Mariners, yes. Yeah, yep. Son of a gun, I didn't see that. They added him to the 40-man roster and everything today. So He's a good kid. Cool. He'll, yeah. he'll do well, too. He, he was very impressive. Well, how about McGee the other day? He was impressive. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, that was nice. I bet he got pitch a, a perfect game in his first time. I, yeah, hopefully he can come back healthy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think we've reached a time here, uh, and uh, time to close out the show. We usually like to close out with some shout outs. Um, we'll 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 throw it at Brian first. Oh, it's always at me first. I get it. Yeah, keep you on the spot. <laughs> keep you on your toes. 
Wait a minute, I, I'm going to think about this. Yeah, buy me some time. <laughs> um, I guess I want to, I just want to give a shout out to my, my parents came over last night and they're, they're getting up there in age and just, I just want to say that I love you both and I just appreciate all that you've done for me and life's, life's too short, man. So if you haven't talked to your parents lately, give them a call and go hang out with them. They're good people and hopefully my kids will come hang out with me one of these days. All right, Steve, how about you? Well, um, in that same vein, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my my son, Mason, uh, former quarterback at Stillman, Stillic Stillicum High School um, and former Times writer, actually, too, until oh, okay. he came to his senses. <laughs> but um, I've been having so much fun with with my son and his girlfriend, Jen, and my five, almost six-year-old grandson apollo who uh, is just you know everybody talks about how cool it is being a grandfather and you know it's nothing like being a grandson especially when you can give back to your son at the end of the night but i i love <laughs> i love being around apollo he's a smart kid he's full of life uh he's a <laughs> i saw his first uh t-ball game the other night and at one point, he's a, he's a shortstop, and he turns, and he's waving to the people out in left field <laughs> who are walking their dogs. And oh. I thought, yeah, that's good. He's acknowledging the crowd. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's showing awesome. some maturity. Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, there you go. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I love hanging out with those guys. My wife and I are just uh, – it's like a great time in our lives. Nice. All right. Uh, I'm gonna give it. The, I'm gonna mention Jonathan Class A again. Uh, two weeks in a row being Player of the Week for Northwest League. You're you're not gonna be long in Everett, unfortunately for me. Uh, but you know, looking looking forward to seeing more and interviewing him hopefully later this week. Uh, and uh, with that, I'm gonna say thank you, everyone. Thanks to Steve for joining us. Uh, this has been the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. You can find us on. Spotify and uh, Apple, iTunes, anywhere, um, anywhere uh, podcasts are found. We're up on this will be up on YouTube as well, and uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. And now you can watch us on Saturdays on Ocean Shores Television uh, oh, Public yeah. Broadcasting, uh, which is great on Saturday mornings from eleven to noon. Uh, and with that, I will say go Seattle sports because we've talked about them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for my invitation. Thank you. <laughs> Love to have you on again. Sure.